As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma. We're here to talk Cubs or She-Hulk, if you've seen it yet. I haven't, so no spoilers. <laughs> I haven't, no. Yeah. Uh, I just, I had, <laughs> I had a Twitter tab open, and because uh, we're going to, well, what we're going to be talking about, and it, it was, you know, prominent in, in the right sidebar that uh, what's happening right now in the world is She-Hulk. That is the thing that is happening. Uh, I'm, I'm very behind on my Disney Plus TV shows. Wait, what are you... What Way you, behind. What haven't you watched? I haven't, I haven't finished Obi-Wan. Uh, I ha- Like, Ms. Marvel, I haven't even started. So, uh, which let I me... Think I'd can like. I give you some feedback? The end of Obi-Wan is really all that matters. So, you're missing all, the only decent part. That, that should have been... God, you know, I get why they do six episodes, but it's like, come on. <laughs> You had about two episodes worth of meat, and you uh, you, you stretched it out. And <laughs> Ms. Marvel is delightful for its target audience, which I don't know is us. So that's... Right. I was going to watch it with the kids. Yes, it's, it is a good watch with the kids, I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, All right. Well, that's a wrap. Time. This has been <laughs> on to Marvel. It's the... Uh, no. All right. So uh, speaking of... Watching with the kids. Ah, see, this was all going somewhere all along. <laughs> all part of the plan. So Hadev and I wanted to talk about prospects today. We wanted to talk about the Cubs farm system. Um, it's something that is uh, important at all times, but of course is disproportionately important when you are going through a rebuild and going through a multi-year process of reformulating the way you identify and develop prospects as the Cubs have been for some time. And uh, we're getting a lot of post 
deadline post-draft updated rankings uh, at the prospect level, at the farm system level. And it's painting, I think, you know, the rankings have been quite disparate, but I think it's painting a very clear and consistent picture of where things stand for the Cubs. And I want to get into that. Um, I want to start with something that I know we talked about in the spring, uh, probably the last time we had kind of a dedicated prospecting talk. And it looked something like this. Uh, When we talk about the Cubs farm system after the trade deadline and after the draft, how many top 100 prospects will the Cubs have? You remember these conversations we had? uh, It was predicated on the Cubs having so many guys who were kind of, I mean, legitimately on the cusp of top 100 types, if this happened, if that happened. And as we sit here today, I think uh, most would agree there are really only two consensus top 100 prospects in the system, outfielders, Brennan Davis and Pete Crow Armstrong. And Davis, of course, has had his own issues this year with the back injury that has, you know, we're hoping he returns and shows out a little bit at the end of the year. But more or less, this is going to be one of those lost years. Um, for a guy who's still young, so you're not super concerned, but anytime you're missing two out of three years of development time, once not his fault because of the pandemic, but, uh, it's a concern. So even one of the two consensus top 100s comes with considerable questions. And of course, Pete Armstrong for as awesome as he's been still very nascent in his career. I mean, he's still at high A, hasn't played a lot of pro games and every other prospect that you could talk about as a top 100 type and they do show up on some lists um are still kind of in that same zone where it's like yeah there's top 100 type potential there not quite you know gonna make my list or not gonna make this list or um and I think that speaks to the nature of prospecting it's a lot of art uh not as much science as as folks would want to to have us believe including organizations um but it also speaks to the fact that this for all the good that has happened on the cubs farm this year and there is a lot and we'll get into that the the big issue has been there haven't been any big explosions you know there haven't been any um like oh man that was the breakout that was possible, and boom, he did it. Other than, again, PCA is, is probably the one that you'd put that way. But I, I can't help. These rankings are coming out, and I just I see Jordan Walker on the Cardinals, consensus top 10 prospect now after just being drafted a couple, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever, and Jackson Churio being a top 10, you know, consensus top 10 prospect after not even being a top 100 coming into the year. Um, Those stories don't exist for the Cubs. And I would argue they haven't existed for the entirety of the, well, these are different eras. I I don't think this rebuild bears as much similarity to the last one as people think, but even going back to that one, the guys who became top 10, top 20 type prospects generally were, on the radar for a very long time. And they were sort of, you know, growing, developing, getting better, or were already awesome. They just didn't have a lot of like, how the hell did they find this guy? The Ronald Acuna, who was a $100,000 signing, who just, boom. Anyway, 
right to some I mean all the that one up. guy was Wilson right it was well, Wilson was yes, the one guy that popped fair, and even yes, then true he was not a top 10 prospect true um it, but of course but it's it's almost like he he skipped to that part you know because he blew up so quickly yeah. to double a and then it was like oh put him in um which makes me think of like Michael Harris the second with the Braves right. it was another one he just came straight from double a was kind of he was I'm looking back at preseason rankings and he's like a top 10 Braves prospect. And they're like, yeah, he's got some you know potential and boom explodes. And he's getting, you know, he's, he's worthy of an eight year extension at $72 million that we now think is a bargain because he was so good so fast. And those stories are the ones that have been uh, wholly absent for the Cubs this year. And there are the kinds of things you need to happen if you are going to be regarded quickly as a farm system, you know, that goes from 20th in the game to top five in the game uh, in a single year. And that's even granting Cubs have been drafting high. They've been selling off players, all of these things. Um, And so I guess this is kind of a temperature check on where things stand in this process of uh, rebuilding the farm system, you know, separate from rebuilding the big league roster. Um, how are we feeling at this point in terms of the job the Cubs have done this year? Uh, not just what they've done this year, but like this year as a reflection of what has been happening the last two and a half years. Yeah, no, I think it's it's completely fair to kind of weigh, uh, especially comparing those players that you brought up, like comparing the Brewers and, and Cardinals and even the Reds have Ellie De La Cruz that popped this year. Uh, and, you know, I think Ellie De La Cruz is kind of a, a good example of this guy was on radars before the season as kind of like the, is this the pop-up prospect? And he delivered, right? And you could maybe say, uh, you know, prospect nerds with uh, Cub, within the Cub fandom were thinking similarly of like Kevin Alcantara or Christian Hernandez, right? Would Would one of them pop and become like... Oh, like Christian Hernandez just tears apart the Arizona Complex League and then ends up at Myrtle Beach at the end of the season, right? And and everyone's like, this guy's a top twenty prospect. That hasn't happened. He's he's got like a sub seven hundred OPS at, at the Arizona Complex League and clearly is still a raw prospect that is has a tremendously high ceiling, but not not what uh it didn't click like Jackson Churio uh did super quickly, right? Or Ellie De La Cruz. So, you know, that's it's a little disappointing in that aspect as far as where's this impact type talent. And even Jed Hoyer has admitted this. He's come out on the record and said they don't have the type of impact talent at the top of the system that they did uh, at the last rebuild. Right. And uh, what is the reasoning for that? I mean, it, it's this is part of why they redid it like why they're in this situation is because they didn't have that type of talent and it's really hard to accumulate that type of talent uh just via trade which is really if you look at all their best prospects i mean majority of it is via trade right i mean outside of brennan davis really uh as far as the top prospects i i think they're mostly via trade right it, a, di- and, a, you know, a, a significant volume compared to a typical right. farm system. Yes. Right. Uh, and Davis is another example of that guy that, 
you know, he was in the top 20-ish, 25, 30-ish, and has kind of dropped because of the struggles, or not the struggles, the injury, and the combined with the struggles this year. Uh, I think... I think what this system is right now, I think it's really interesting how all there's four publications, I think, that have done their midseason updates now. And and despite like the kind of variance there of like middling uh, system to top 10 system is what we're seeing. Right. And that's basically how much do you value depth and versus the impact. Right. I think Kylie, I think you pointed this out in your write up, but Kylie McDaniel's ranking, if they had like a top five prospect in the game that just add that one they go from i think it was 19th to number two yeah 18th to number two yep okay 18th to number two which i think is really interesting one One prospect prospect does that but i i think what this system has right now is a ton of depth and a ton of future major leaguers and while you want that impact i think there there's still that potential uh, two guys I mentioned before with uh, Alcantara and Christian Hernandez. If you see Brennan Davis come back this year, I mean, he's already at the Arizona Complex League. I'm not sure if he has a hit yet. I don't think he does at the Arizona Complex League. But that's, you know, it's about getting your timing back and, and finding that rhythm. And then if he gets back to Iowa, let's see what he does. Uh, you'd love to see that if you're a Cubs fan. And and I think, uh, you, know, you know, there's there's always – that possibility that when you stack all these major league talents, that some of these guys just perform better than anyone expected when they come up to the big leagues. When you have that much talent in your system, uh, I mean, two guys that I think of, it's like Pico Armstrong has the type of skill set that doesn't wow people in the sense that, like, oh, he's not a top 10 prospect. But, I mean, when he gets up to the major leagues, that's going to be the type of talent that people say, like, well, nobody else has this type of player. Like, where is it? I mean, it, it, everybody's been complaining about the Cubs' lack of leadoff hitter. I mean, there's so many issues now. You don't even talk about the leadoff hitter, I've, I, I, which is funny <laughs> That's to so think funny. about. Yeah. I, got, yeah. I have not even heard the words leadoff hitter all year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I couldn't tell you, like, if they're doing well or not in the leadoff spot. I have no clue. Uh, but uh, at some point when he's up, nobody's going to be complaining about the leadoff spot, right? He's He's got, he's got these skills that, it's like the old school, uh, well, he's the fastest guy and he plays center field, put him in leadoff, but he actually will likely deserve to be there as long as uh, as long as it all really com- continues to come together for him. Uh, but, you know, maybe he's kind of one of those guys that's more valuable uh, once he's in the big leagues than, than prospect lists kind of look at. Uh, I think someone that I'm really intrigued by right now is Canario, Alexander Canario, yeah. and I, I don't know what he's going to be, but just the tear that he's been on uh, like kind of seems like a developmental win there right now for the time being. He needs to continue to move up. Uh, he needs to get to AAA at some point, uh, and we need to see if this continues. But he's, I mean, he's hitting the ball hard and far consistently. Uh, I think that's that's going to be interesting as well. So you, you could get some some guys that kind of pop and, and perform better in the major leagues than than their prospect uh, status indicates. But I think overall, I, I, it's just the reality. Like it's a good system. Uh, it they haven't they haven't popped in the sense that they have these stars coming that everyone's like drooling over these superstar players. And that's not out of the question. But it it, it didn't happen this year. 
so I think they're I think for me, what it tells me, all the more reason for the Cubs to flex their financial muscle this winter, right? You have this really deep system, uh, and, and you're going to be supplementing your talent continually for the next few years. And and you you won't hurt yourself as far as continuing to be able to do that, right? You you should still be able to do that. Uh, you need to draft well. You need to hit on international free agents, but uh, you know, selling every year and hoping that's the way to replenish your farm system can't be it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm glad you transitioned it there because I want to underscore that point with something that ties to everything else you were saying, which is you look at someone like Christopher Morrell was a a decently regarded prospect in the Cubs system coming into this year. Um, You know, nerds like me were very aware of him, could see the big league future, um, but he needed another step forward because really when he'd gotten to double A, he was mostly feasting on lefties and was not hitting nearly as well against righties. Um, He didn't, he had the ability to play all over, but he didn't have a ton of experience playing all over, you know, so we were viewing him more as, you know, a a 15th to 25th range prospect in the Cubs system coming into the year. Uh, And then obviously he broke out at double a at the plate. And it wasn't just that his results were great. It was that he, uh, really transformed the way he was getting his results. He was succeeding. There was no more clear platoon split. He's making a lot more contact consistently, you know, all these things. And then an opportunity arised. Uh, it was, I remember we had the conversation. It was maybe going to be a short little, little look-see in the big leagues because there was a need and he was just too good. He was just too capable to send back down. And I think about him in relation to this conversation in two ways. It isn't just that, okay, sometimes depth prospects surprise you. When they get to the big leagues, they're actually a lot better. Um, And it's not just that, okay, if he were given a ranking right now, with all the information we now have from his ability to be whatever he is at the big league level, wouldn't he be a back of the top 100 prospect? I mean, if you could go back to, he doesn't qualify anymore, but like, right? Surely someone like him is, is an 80th ranked prospect. I mean, come on, that's the whole point. Uh, so there's that side of things, but there's also the point that Sahadev was making about flexing the financial muscle. And here's where you, here's where the nexus is. The Cubs have a lot of potential Christopher Morels, whatever that looks like, different positions, even pitchers that are sort of, yeah, that could be a decent big leaguer. In, in, you know, used the right way, 
I think of Nelson Velasquez the same way. Use him the right way. That's a useful big league player. But what they but because they don't have those extreme impact types where all of the impact and talent is consolidated into one position, you're going to have a lot of decent talents spread all over the roster. And you can't always turn that into wins at the big league level because you can't get you can't always position them all in the perfect way to get those results because someone's got to play every day and someone's got to face the really tough right-hander who has the blistering fastball at the top of the zone, et cetera, et cetera. You can't always spread it around to where like a whole bunch of um, 45s becomes as valuable as 160 because that 60, these are prospect ranking numbers just to illustrate the point because that 60 is like locking down a spot. And then you don't have to worry about that. And then you can coordinate around that guy. Um, the Cubs have a ton of 45s. And 45s are great. Not, no, I think one other system in baseball has as many 45s or better than the Cubs. And that matters. Um, but you still have to consolidate that talent into single spots at the big league level if you want to win. And if that's not going to come from breakout prospects in the upper levels of the minors right now for the Cubs, and it's not, then it's got to come from the one thing that the Cubs are supposed to be doing more than the other teams in the NL Central, and that's spending on impact players who can be acquired for either only money, i.e. free agents, or mostly money, trades for guys who are very expensive, and maybe that puts them on the market, like a Shane Bieber, just as an example of like how money and prospect currency work together to get a guy that maybe the Cardinals or Brewers couldn't get. Right, and... and... I think that's something that uh, for those that want to criticize the lack of like the superstar talent in the system, I think they sometimes miss the fact that the biggest issue that the Cubs had when when you're talking about the, the thing that hurt them the most about the lack of depth. And, and it's something that we touched on with the, the Juan Soto uh, trade and it, the Cubs need to be in a, in a situation where they're able to go get guys because of their depth, right? Like someone becomes available via trade and that those guys may not be, first of all, we, we have to understand that other uh, organizations value prospects differently, right? Like whenever we see like Oakland make a trade, it's always like, huh, what, what was that? And, you know, maybe 60% of the time, all of a sudden we're like, oh, you know, two years later, it's like, wow, they made Chris Bassett uh, like a borderline, you know, two and, and Marcus Semien's a MVP candidate. Nobody saw that coming. And, and that was, you know, that was the haul for Jeff Samarja, right? Th those were two of the key pieces yes. in that deal. And, and and that was like a deal that everyone like kind of rolled their eyes at, like, uh, the uh, Oakland's just dumping uh, Chris Samarja's last year. Uh, and so so there's that aspect of, of trades right and and there's the other aspect of uh just you threw out Shane Bieber well it, it may not take a top 10 prospect to get this guy right in certain situations you need to go get you need to use your depth and leverage that or there are times when guys are just like teams organizations are just dumping a salary or or moving a guy that doesn't want to extend there, but it will extend elsewhere. And this is like the Cardinals have done this brilliantly. Uh, they got Goldschmidt and, and Nolan Arenado uh, 
all those prospects. Uh, while, while the Goldschmidt trade, there were some of those guys were looked at legitimately. Luke Weaver, they could give up because they had so much pitching depth, right? And Casey Kelly, they could give up because they, they weren't moving on. They knew that despite, I think a lot of us were like, what are they doing? Who's going to take over for Yadier Molina? And it's like, well, Yadier Molina is going <laughs> to be catching for another four more years or five more years or whatever it was after that trade. And they were able to extend Goldschmidt, right? And Nolan Arenado was just taking advantage of a of an organization that, you know, is, has been poorly run for a really long time. And you were able to capitalize on that situation, right? And and they have cornerstones in the infield because of that. And they're, they're a playoff team. Uh, so the having that depth, having quality depth, when you talk, we've talked about the pitching depth, right? When you have guys like Wisniewski and Killian and Ben Brown and DJ Hers and Jordan Wicks and Daniel Palencia and, uh, you know, name after name after name, you can move some of these guys eventually. Like when, when could we have said that, that, oh, the Cubs can trade some of their pitching depth? Oh, the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs outfield prospects are Canario and Davis and Pete Crow Armstrong and, uh, I mean, all these other guys, Kevin Alcantara. I mean, there's so much outfield depth. Owen Casey, you can say like, oh, you can trade some of these guys. And I'm not saying that they do, that they will do it this winter, but at some point, some of these guys are all like, it's not just, oh, they're just banking on prospects to come up and impact the team. Like, you need to leverage this depth in some way. Uh, and whether it's it's getting an established star from a team that, you know, I mean, Cleveland does it a lot. Tampa Bay does it a lot. Uh, I'm probably overlooking a couple other teams that they, they just, they move guys when they hit to arbitration or, or near free agency. And the Cubs have to start being the team that leverages those moments and and then they are willing to extend those guys. They need to be willing to extend those guys and pay, uh, you know, close to market prices or be the team that's like, I love playing here. I'll give you guys, you know, I, I want I'll, I'll stay here for the next five years of my career. They need to I, like they need to be that team that that that's what <laughs> like other teams are able to do that. There's no reason why they can't. And let's not forget. The Cubs are in this situation in the first place in no small part because the last time they rode a wave of homegrown talent to breakouts at the big league level and supplemented with expensive free agents, they had no depth behind that. They had no quality depth there both to supplement when there were needs at the big league level to have surprising guys come up and take over as starters behind that top tier or to make the kind of trades that can fill that one last hole or extend that window or whatever it might be. Uh, because that's also going to be critical, not only to trying to have a longer window, if we're still talking about windows, but trying to have a longer window the next time, but also to backstopping a lot of um, potential fail points at the big league level. Because you even if you had that, one tidal wave of tip-top prospects arriving at the same time, that creates a lot of risk because as much as you want to centralize some of your talent, some of your impact in individual players uh, because of the way the roster breaks out, that that is a very good thing. It also creates risk because then if that guy 
goes, you know, is missing for a couple months. What's your step down? Who's your fill in guy? Who's your guy who has options left and is at AAA and is like, you know, maybe not quite a big league quality starter, but is uh, capable, is less of a step down than what it might be if you didn't have the kind of extreme depth that the Cubs have. So uh, that is all to say to, to, to tie what Sade was saying to where we started this conversation. It is not as if having extreme depth of like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a big leaguer as opposed to, oh my God, this guy's going to be a superstar. There is value. There is value that we haven't seen following the Cubs in the last 10 years of, of having that extreme depth. However, that doesn't mean it's not fair for some of these services to point out uh, that the Cubs are lacking in that tip-top obvious impact types that do hold disproportionate value to a roster. I mean, there's there's a reason that, uh, you know, we remarked in the ESPN rankings that if the, the Cubs, who were ranked 18th, if they had one tip-top prospect, like I'm talking top five in the game, they would suddenly have the second-best farm system in baseball. Uh, that may seem ridiculous to some, but like there are, there is some math that suggests that that's fair, that these, these Uber prospects just become worth so much that it totally skews the entire calculus. And um, that, that is fair to point out about the farm system, that that is something the Cubs have not succeeded at uh, the last couple of years. And it's, you know, I, I it, it's a part of this that I have a hard time excusing uh, even as I'm saying it's there's a ton of depth and that matters and that's good, uh, you got to keep in mind, this is a team that sold off dramatically last year, that was drafting very high this year, that will be drafting reasonably high next year, that that traded you Darvish uh, before all this started. It, it would have been fair to expect more top 50 prospects by this point. That I think, you know, I, I get that there's art to it and it's, there's flukiness and these are all small samples, blah, 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 blah. Get it. You can defend it and that's fine. I accept it. But it it simply would have been fair if we were having this conversation back in 2020 to be like, okay, by by this time in late 2022, the Cubs should have built up a nice little repository of top 50 types. And that that part hasn't happened. And I think I think the Cubs, even if discussing it themselves would acknowledge yeah wish we'd wish we'd had a couple more guys pop but then they would point to the extreme depth and some of the successes at the big league level this year which i i do agree i mean like a justin Steele, keegan thompson young player development isn't just about prospects and farm system rankings it's about what can you do at the big league level to to keep moving these guys forward and that's another thing that we did not see in the last wave so none of None of this is to say the Cubs are in like a fundamentally worse position than they were in 2013, 2014. I don't think that. I don't think that at all, actually. I like a lot of what they're doing to create a better foundation. Um, it's just that I think it's fair when outsiders say, yeah, but you're missing the impact types. I just think it's fair. Right. And I mean, there's this other aspect of of having this depth that I think... Uh, Look back to the uh, Quintana trade, right? Uh, a lot of people like criticize them for that move because you moved uh, one guy that looks like he's competing for the Cy Young in the AL, and you know I know Aloy has a lot of injury issues, but 
still a potential impact bat there, right? For a guy that didn't impact the Cubs in the way that many hoped, right? So some of that, some could argue that, well, that was poor internal scouting. They gave up guys that they uh, that they shouldn't have. I think the reality is they didn't, there was nothing to scout, right? They, they didn't have, like Rick Hahn didn't want anyone else. Those deals were, that deal was centered around, well, there are two, we, we want a pitcher and a hitter, and, and these are the guys that have any value in your system. And they just so happen to be really valuable at that time prospect-wise, right? And it, and that was who was available to the Cubs, and they needed to make this move. They've been trying to make that move for like two years, right, The at that point in time. So if you have that type of depth, if you have the type of depth they have now, the, it looks very different. Right. You're you're able to make that deal. But look, you know what? Hey, what about these guys? What about this guy and this guy? You're you're able to actually come up with different options instead of just saying, well, these are our only two prospects of any value. And we need to get this because we're in win now mode. And, you know, these guys can't help us right now. Uh, this is what we have to do. This is this is the move we have to make. And you have to make these really difficult decisions when you don't have a deep system. And you're in, and you have the capability to win something at that moment, right? Uh, I mean, the White Sox are almost in a similar situation, and they weren't willing to give up like Colson Montgomery at the deadline, right? So you want, I mean, that's all to say that the hope is, and and I think part of this is you you look back at the last few drafts and you hope that okay, are, are they? Hopefully, they're doing some things right, like that. Like I said, like a lot of these guys, I mean, I'm not sure how many of these top prospects have come from the last three drafts, right? Uh, we can't really count this most recent draft. I understand that. They they went with a guy in Cade Horton that isn't going to be ranked. Outside. I know Jim Callis loves him and, and has made comments that he'd consider putting him in his own personal top 100. But obviously he wasn't in uh, Baseball America's updated top 100. Uh, Ed Howard, you know, unfortunate uh, hip injury, and we don't know what he is. I think of the last three drafts, the only one that has any like top 100 buzz at all is Triantos, and and he's and he probably isn't gonna like end up there uh, with the season that he's having. Which isn't to say, I mean, he's you know he's still young, and there's plenty of potential there. Uh, it's just more about like. I don't know if they have a top 100 prospect from the last three drafts. And that's, that has to be disappointing. Uh, even if, you know, there's intrigue in guy like Mervis and, and uh, uh, Luke little and, and stuff like that. There's just a lot of questions from these last few drafts and that's where they need to make their impact going forward. And and they're going to, like you mentioned, they're going to have another top 10 pick in all likelihood. And, and they need to hit on these guys and hopefully they hit on Horton and Ferris and others this past draft. Yeah. Maybe that I'll, I'll take that run with it and wrap. Um, maybe the one guy from the last few drafts that you could point to as potentially getting top 100 consideration when the season is over is Jordan Wicks. Um, and I say that because uh, when, so these are all mid-season updates, right? And that means two things. One, it means there's still season to come. You know, there's there's still games to be played. There's still developments to happen. But more important than that is in the fall, uh, during and after instructional ball, 
when you've got scouts getting back together, organizational evaluations taking place, third parties getting more information from organizations, you know, about other organizations. You just get a more comprehensive look at like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, he, I didn't realize this tool or this pitch had taken this step forward and now I get that and oh, here's how it reframes how I think about the package. And I, so I mentioned Wix in relation to that because, you know, he was a guy we talked about at South Bend where his results were just not matching how well we think he was pitching and what perhaps the the data were indicating about his pitch development. And I think it is possible we will see when the season is over that the the thinking about what his potential upside is is going to be a lot higher than people are thinking now. And that again is just to reiterate that this this is just a conversation Sahadev and I are having on August 18th. There are going to be changes between now and October or whenever. Um, everything we've said is going to hold, but you know there's still season to go. So let's let's see. And let's, I think maybe it's even better to think about it just as this teeing up the rest of the season. Like, is anybody going to really? explode the rest of the way or fall off or what are the things that are going to be set up for the offseason that's clear this guy needs to work on this or oh this is what's going to separate him from being an impact type or you know whatever it is it's a good conversation to have now and that's why we're having it but it's not a final stamp on what has happened this year for the Cubs farm system because I mean heck Horton's a good example too you know he hasn't pitched much this year because he was coming off the injury and he had just added the slider and that was what the Cubs were banking on. I mean, if, if he gets some time in complex ball and scouts are there and they see, holy crap, what he was doing there at the end of the NCAA season is legit. There are going to be some guys who buy in like th- that's stuff that happens, too. So, um, you know, keep an open mind. And in the meantime, uh, hopefully the Cubs at the big league level continue to show that they uh, will justify the kinds of impact spending additions that they need this offseason if any of the rest of this is going to matter as soon as 2023. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Sahadev Sharma. Get his at The Athletic. And this has been On to Waveland, Cubs podcast. Hope you enjoyed the prospect-focused version of it. And I hope you also have a good weekend. We'll be back at you next week. Take care.